The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as co-host, he's still eating, Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Yeah, Port Adelaide's going to win. Great podcast. Thanks for the night. Good night, boys. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Quick and easy, that's the way. It is. And back on the podcast, we've got a very special guest. The original gangsters are back together. Enviable tradition. How are you, mate? Very good, boys. How are you? Good, good. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. It's uh, it's good to be back. You've enjoyed the year so far, no doubt? I've been enjoying the year very much. Uh, unfortunately, I've been travelling a little bit too much. I've missed a couple of the big games, which is very unlike me. Um, so I've, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like I've, you know, been through the wilderness, sat there through all the dark times, and then... You know, it's finally coming good, and I've been starting to miss games, and it's killing me. So, yeah, right. Um, but it's certainly been a great year. I've uh, I've been enjoying it a lot, and uh, you know, any any games I've uh, been away for, I've generally caught on TV, and and then uh, you know, if I haven't done that, I've certainly been watching the replays and enjoying them immensely. So Absolutely. it's been good fun. Where you been travelling around to? All around Australia at the minute. Uh, as you may well know, I, I do do some other podcast shows, and so. I've been uh, doing some stuff with them and doing some speaking and travelling and, and those sort of things, so seminars and, and those sort of things. So it's been yeah. uh, it's been keeping me a little bit busy, but unfortunately they keep uh, scheduling things when port games are on. As much as I try and avoid that, I, I try and say no whenever the port game's on, whenever I can, but <laughs> try and convince them to move them. When when I host the events, they're always on when port games are on and cricket's not being played. But you know, I don't always get the choice. All right, well, let's get straight into it, boys. Uh, Port versus the Western Bulldogs, Adelaide Oval, this Saturday afternoon. We've got uh, a win-loss record of 11 wins each, uh, with the Dogs winning the last eight, dating back to 2006. So I think this is a a bit of a, a run for the Dogs that needs to stop this week. And it will. <laughs> it will. We're so due. And uh, I, I just can't see him getting up. No, no, neither do I really. Um, we've got a few ins and outs. Uh, we've got three changes this week. Sammy Gray's back in, um, Jared Polek's back in, and Tommy Logan's back in for his first game for the year. Tommy. We all love t-shirt. Tommy, don't we? Go T-shirt. Great to see him back in. It is. He's just, he's just one of those guys. You just love to see him play, don't you? I mean, as much as you can, you know, you can criticise the way he plays or his skill level or, you know, whatever you like, you know, people will always have something to say about different players, but he's just one of those players that you just love to see play and you love to see him get an opportunity because he just bleeds for the club, doesn't he? That's it. You know he's going to get injured at some point during the game. (laughs) Yeah. If we don't see a bandage, we'll be disappointed, won't we? That's right. He hasn't done his job. Should we put put some odds on the blood rule for Tommy? (laughs) Two to one. I don't know if you get any It'd be unbackable favourite, surely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it going to be a wet game this week? I'm, t- I'm tipping cold if this week's been anything to go by. It hasn't mm. been particularly pleasant in Adelaide this week. It's been a bit on the chilly side. Well, how's the um, how's the numnut this week? Uh, or tonight, I'm driving down Pirie Street, going from one appointment to the next, and I'm, I drive past the outdoor volleyball centre, and there's three people there warming up at the outdoor volleyball centre on Pirie Street, and one guy's there with his shirt off. <laughs> now, I don't know what he. I don't know it's what he's trying rigged. to put. I was going to say, did he have a good rig? Because you know, if I had a good rig, you'd probably get your shirt off, wouldn't you? What are you? What are you trying to prove in five <laughs> degrees, man? Honestly, <laughs> hardcore volleyballers. 
Take a look at yourself. It's not summer, man. <laughs> Love it. Yes. No, it should be a, it should be a good game. I think we um, we haven't played the Bulldogs well in Darwin, so it's probably a good thing we're not up there for a change. Absolutely, about time. Yeah. But this season's all been about um, new records and firsts for us, so I think we can put another notch on our belt well, come Saturday. It, I think the exciting thing is going to be to see how the contested game stacks up. I mean, they're, they're two of, obviously, the better contested ball-winning teams you know, throughout the year. And uh, so it'll be a really good challenge in that respect for our guys, I reckon. It'd be really good to see those uh, those inside contested ball winners to go head-to-head and get a real challenge on in that aspect of the game particularly, particularly because I think it's such an important one when you start coming towards finals that, you know, that, that real hard-at-it contested footy is such an important cog that we need to make sure we're, you know, fine-tuning and continuing to improve on to prepare ourselves for what's going to be, a, hopefully, a very big final series later on in the year. That's right. They've got arguably the best young contested ball winner in the game in Tom Liberatore. Uh, Matty Boyd still does the job really well. Uh, Ryan Griffin's very good in the contest as well, as is Adam Cooney, Luke Dowhouse. Uh, Jack McRae's really impressed this year as well. That's why I found one of the selections this week a little bit interesting. I don't know if it's a statement more than anything, but um, the Sam Gray selection I, I didn't really see as a fit with the players that went out. And uh, I thought maybe, especially against the contested ball-winning side of the Western Bulldogs, that uh, Ben Newton might have got another opportunity this week. So um, when I looked at the ins and the outs, I didn't really see the synergy with Sam Gray coming in. And I thought maybe Benny might have been a better in for us than than Sam this week. Yeah, it's certainly been a talking point on the boards tonight. Um, I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen Benny get in and and get a real good chance of cementing his spot in the power lineup, But... You know, Sammy Gray's come in, you would think he'll play in a forward pocket and, and you know, that allows Robbie Gray to, to play full-time as a midfielder, um, you know, which is always a good thing. Well, I, th- I think that's what we're going to see, is we're going to see some of those smaller forwards for the power start to move more towards the midfield. And they've obviously seen Sammy is coming in, I think, to that forward line, although he does get some spurts through the midfield. But I think they really want to have a look at some of those other guys through the middle of the ground and, and you know, make sure they're still developing there. And, you know, we've got that flexibility for, once again, later on in the year or finals, you know, when injuries occur, all those sort of things. They want to make sure those players are gunning it and ready to go through the midfield, I reckon. That's it. Well, one thing you've got to give Ken Hinckley credit for, he really backs his players in, doesn't he? He gives them every opportunity. And uh, Sam Gray, Kane Mitchell, you know, two of those, um, not that they're old, but the mature age players uh, that have come in off the off the rookie list, he's really given them every opportunity to uh, to try and thrive in this side. Especially Kane Mitchell. I mean, he's had a pretty good run at it uh, the last sort of five or six weeks. And you know, his first four games were really, really good. He had a bit of a down week last week, but it's good to see Kenny... Um, stick with him and, and say, you know, we want to see you lift that back up again this week. You know what's going to be interesting, I reckon, is, is later on, uh, as this goes on and as Kenny goes on with his coaching, will be to see how he reacts when people let him down. Because I think, you know, pretty much everyone is given a go so far, certainly this year, they've all sort of stepped up to the plate and given it a red-hot crack. I mean, there, there hasn't really been anyone come in who you think has just, you know, absolutely let the team down. And so... You know, he obviously he does certainly back those players in, but he but he backs in the players who are you know living to his game plan and living to the style he wants to play and and you know taking pride in the jumper and and so far everyone's done that. So you know, I guess yeah, it's easy to back right. them in yeah. when they're doing the right thing, isn't it? Absolutely, you, you're spot on there. I think um, everyone that's come in has, has done a, a pretty good job so far, and and you could tell last year when Daniel Stewart played his last game, 
where he got, you know, two kicks and one mark against Richmond, you knew that that was going to be the end of his career right there. <laughs> but I haven't really you, seen that this year, so it's good. you got to learn the lesson, ET. you got to read Western Rue Boys' uh, comments. Um, players don't let Kenny Hinckley down. He uh, oh. just motivates them to achieve every game. And so far, he's got the that record on the board, and I think he just... You can't, you can't fault it at the minute, can you? Like I said, they, nah. they've all just come in, and they know what's expected of them, and they know that they need to do the job, and, and they just do it, don't they? Isn't it just fantastic? Are we the I new Crowbots? We... Nah, he's the motivator. <laughs> That's what he is. Crowbots. Crowbots. Macca, were you at the St Kilda game? <laughs> Did you see Wingard's mark? True. <laughs> was... I mean, seriously. That was... That was actually, do you know what? That was the first game. My my three year old daughter. That was her first ever power game, and so uh, so I'll be able to let her know. I'll be able to show her that video in years to come and go. Hey, guess what? The first game you ever went to. This is what happened. This is what and happened. Uh, she was pretty excited about it. I don't think she actually has any idea what happened, but she was very excited <laughs> by the crowd reaction to what happened. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather call them Kenny Showstoppers. They play with too much flair to be linked to the uh, the Crowbots. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you can't have you know universally being known as the team that everyone wants to watch, which which seems to be the case at the moment. You're hearing people all around the league and all around the media outlets saying, you know, Port are just the team to watch at the moment. They're the most popular team to watch. They play the most attractive game style. I don't think you can have those sort of plaudits coming in and, and start calling us Crowbots, Macker. No, that's right. It's more like the Showtime Lakers of the AFL. That's exactly right. That's it. So who worries you um, about the dogs in this game? For me, it's probably their quick midfielders and goal kickers. They get a lot of goals from their mids and, and their quick flankers. Well, I, th- I think it's going to be the contested ball, I think, is going to be the really important thing. I mean, I I really can't see the doggies beating us, but, but the only way I can see them beating us is if they're winning the ball out the middle. And, and so I think that the two real dangers for us are Minson, who sort of came back into a bit of form last week, yep. and... Uh, and, you know, Lobby has been, I feel he's been a little bit down over the last month or so. He certainly hasn't been uh, the sort of form he was in early in the season. Um, and so I think Minson's going to be really important. And I think Liberatore, we mentioned him earlier. Um, you know, if Minson can get the ball down to Liberatore, they get some clean contested ball at the middle, um, you know, get the ball going their way, then, then I think that's really their only chance of knocking us off. So I, I would say Minson and Liberatore are the two I'd be most worried about. Um, but, you know, I think we've got the players to cover them, but if I was going to pick two, that's who I'd be worried about. Yeah. Can they really, I guess the question is, can they really, can they kick a score to match us? We're averaging 100 points plus a game. Um, so can they kick a score to match us? Because we're probably going to get it at least 100 points. And, and actually, can their defence limit us to get a score to beat us. And, and they're the two big questions for, for the Bulldogs. And, and I'm not sure they can do that. They're going to have to really monopolise the ball and try and do a Melbourne and have a possession game plan. And that's not their style. So Well, um, well I think that, that, that's why I sort of suggest Minson and Liberatore, I think. Because, you know, I think that the way I see it, if we're winning our fair share of the ball through the middle, then, then our attacking flair is going to be too much for them. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with us if we're both getting an even amount of ball out in the middle. But I think... You know, if they can get their first hands on the ball, if they can get the ball consistently into their forward line and get the game on their terms, I think, really, I think that's their only chance. Yeah, I mean, their forward line doesn't really worry me too much. I mean, Kramer is an okay player. I don't think he's any more than that. Um, Liam Jones can lightning strike twice, and he plays two good, you know, games in a row. I'm not sure that'll happen. Um, and then it's really down to their flankers. I mean, they get a lot of goals from the likes of you know Dalhouse and Kobe Stevens, those sort of guys. 
Well, I guess the thing that worries you about their forward line is it's not in any way, shape, or form, you know, kind of one-dimensional. I guess you know, you sort no, of that's right. there's, there's no obvious source there of you know, well, we shut down this guy and that guy, then you know, well, we shut down this certain game style, then then we can beat them. It's it's such a mismatched sort of forward line that you almost don't know what to expect. That it's you know, it almost becomes a bit harder to play against because of the variability, I guess, of it. Well, as you as you said, Et, you nullify uh, Will Minson, Tony Liberatore. You're going to start nullifying this supply to the forwards anyway, and then yeah. it's going to be a non-issue. So, I think I think that is part of the key. But I, I disagree with Lobie. I, I think I thought last week he really stood up. Last week I thought it was break even in the first quarter um, with the Sydney Rutman, but after that, I thought he just absolutely dominated the contest. And he he might have been a little bit down before last week's game, a little bit with his influence. But I thought uh, last week and the week before he really stu- uh, took it back up to another level again and was. Well, and was ultra competitive. The one thing I would like to say about the Sydney game was what, what I thought was really noticeable about the Ruck contest was the Sydney Ruckman just continually going past the ball and and buffeting into lobby and, and not actually trying to contest the ball. I mean, the amount of times he went past the ball to, to shepherd lobby away from the ball, and, and the ball actually just fell on the ground. It wasn't even... The two Ruckman weren't even contesting the Ruckman, particularly from throw-ins. Numerous times the ball came straight down and neither Ruckman touched it. Because he was literally just pushing lobby away from the contest, it, it was astounding that it wasn't. There went more free kicks paid, from my view. Yeah, but that was the uh, the Sydney rule last week, where yeah. um, Sydney were allowed to push and do whatever they want to, uh, you know, the new unsociable pushy football. Um, so I don't think the Bulldogs will will play that same plan. And uh, and Will Minson's more of a charge at you, jump it sort of guy. So yeah, um, how tall is he? Is he over two hundred centimeters? Because remember how someone posted he's around that, about two hundred centimeters. I think. Uh, remember that comment where someone put up the figures where Loby, I think, was it over two hundred or over one hundred ninety-seven centimeters? He his outputs a lot less with the taller Rutman to the lesser Rutman. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he comes up against the more uh, argy bargy and physical. Let's run at you, sort of Will Minson. Well, look at this. We're in luck. He's one hundred ninety-nine centimeters. Laughing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> You might, if if Will's listening, you better wear extra high studs. So who does Kane Corns go to? Because they've got a lot of uh, interesting players. Does he do a, try and do a shutdown job on Tom Liberatore? Does he go to the young gun in Jack McRae? Um, does he go to someone like Ryan Griffin instead? Yeah, I would have thought Griffin. I mean, I, I think he's probably as far as the you know the outside runners and the you know the type of footballer that Kane I think does his best job manning up on. I think. You know, Kane's not the sort of footballer that does a good job necessarily on the inside grunt type players. He tends to go more with the outside runners, and and so I think he's a pretty good match from that perspective with Griffin. Although Griffin, you know, certainly can win his own ball inside, but I think he's more the sort of player that Kane would go to, and and I think he's really the key for them in terms of that outside run and in terms of their you know ability to attack. So he's the one I'd most like to see shut down, and I'd like to see Kane go to. No need for me tonight because Et must be a smart guy because he's just. Taking everything out of my mind, it must be a mind <laughs> or, or something. Because I've missed uh, a trick. How's that? It's been a while. No, no, we're, we're on the we're on the same page here, mate. Because I'd say pretty much the same thing. He's probably going to be there. Cooney's out, so he's going to be their leader, their inspirational guide. He's the experienced guy there. Um, you know, and he's the gut runner and the line breaker. And I agree completely. I'd be I'd be shutting him down because uh, he'll be a bit of a barometer for them. And uh, I think it was something ridiculous last week, like he had 16 tackles. And uh, I think it was last week's game or maybe the one before. And the, and the commentators were talking about 
what's he doing? You know, what role are they getting this guy to play? Because really, you know, you'd rather him have four tackles, but breaking the line 16 times and delivering inside 50. So what's going on there with that game plan? But I had to agree with him. Why wouldn't you want that guy? He's an attacking jet. And why wouldn't you want him running the lines? Because it's just going to bring everyone else into the game. And uh, so I agree with you completely. Just let's just shut shut him down. Yep, I like that. I'd also put uh, Kano on, on Griffin and, and probably I'd love to see Ollie Wines go up against Liberatore. I reckon that would be a fantastic matchup. Be a ripper, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, two young Jets. I mean, what, Liber's third year in the system now, isn't he? Uh, fourth, I think. Fourth, so, but I mean, Ollie's got a four four year in the system body himself and he, he's a big unit, so, and he's a, a hard contested ball winner. So we were sort of hoping for that sort of match-up at some stages last week against Kennedy. So Libba's probably a, a better match-up for him. So it would be great to see the two young fellas go at it. Yeah, although I guess given that they did run, you know, Ebert with Kennedy last week, you know, they, they may look at doing a similar sort of thing again this time. I mean, I thought that was a really good match-up with, with Ebert on Kennedy. I mean, I think, you know, he's got that body size to be able to match him in terms of the, you know, the contested stuff. Uh, but then the ability to run off and make him accountable defensively as well, I, I thought that was a really clever play by Port to, to like I said, not just uh, try and match him physically in the contest, but try and catch him out going the other way as well. I thought it was a really good idea. Yep. You need to stop referring to the Sydney game because I'm just getting over it. And you put up, <laughs> up old wounds well, for me. Well, I'll tell you, what were your thoughts on the Sydney game, guys? I mean, you know, were you, there's been a lot of talk of people being quite up and about about the Sydney game and, and not too disappointed about it. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Do you, are you devastated by it? Do you feel we went pretty well? You know, what are your thoughts? Uh, to sum it up, I was gutted by the result, uh, but pretty proud of how we performed on the day. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting soft in my old age, but I was I was pretty happy with it, to be honest. I kind of looked at the result. I thought, yeah, look, you know, we didn't get over the line, but that happens sometimes. You know, you you can give it a red-hot go, have a red-hot crack, and, and just not quite get over the line. And yep. certainly, the, you know, the situation of playing in Sydney, playing against a quality team, you, just, you look at that and you think, well, gee, you know, if that game had been played elsewhere, you know, if that game had been played at Adelaide Oval, if that game had been played at the MCG, I, I would have pretty much backed us in, I reckon. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much how we thought on the podcast um, a couple of days ago was that, you know, we're really, really proud of the effort. You know, there was quite a few sort of oh, if only moments um, in that last quarter where, you know, if Loby kicked the goal, if, you know, if we tackle this player instead of that one, you know, we possibly could have won it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we played bloody well, I thought. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, but it's... At the same time, though, I wanted I wanted to burn with the players, and I want them to be spewing that they didn't do those clutch things well, because we don't want to turn into a Socceroos where you know it's always a gallant defeat either. And they haven't given us that history over the last two years that that's their mentality. So I'm not expecting it, but at the same time, it's not you know I don't want players to be satisfied. But I mean, you know, you're never going to win every single one of those games against top teams yeah. away from home. It, you can't. And and as you said, if you can just put up a, a great showing and give yourself an opportunity to win like we did, um, unfortunately we couldn't deliver it on this occasion and hopefully they learn from it and the next time they can. And, yeah, I'm with Macca and that's what we said the other night. You put that at the MCG or you put that at Adelaide Oval and I reckon we would have ran over them. And I thought the Ebert-Kennedy matchup was gold. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Ebert on Kennedy at Adelaide Oval because I reckon he's going to tear 
new one. Yeah, we'll give him a bit more space. But like you said, I think the learning from it's a key component of it as well, just because you know we are such a young team, we're such a developing team. You know, if you look at the teams we're competing against in that top four, and you think, well, who's got the most scope for improvement between now and the end of the year? I mean, obviously Hawthorne have got lots of players to come back in, but in terms of you know individual improvement of the players, you have to say, you know, Port have got the most scope to develop and continue to improve and are probably going to benefit the most from having another half a season to of experience to those players. And so, you know, games like that Sydney game are going to be so crucial. And as you said, I, I guess I hope, you know, as fans we can be proud of it. I hope the players are, you know, burning and learning from it and, and looking to do better next time. Now, Rick, time to stand up. Who's going to do I'm it? going Tommy J, Macca. Tommy J. I'm a massive fan, but I was a little bit disappointed with some of his clutch moments last week. And uh, you can almost throw Jack Homsch into that as well and Ali Paddy Carlisle, but I'll just pick on Tommy Jonas. Um, I just, yeah, since he's been back, I don't think he's been at his lockdown uh, accountable best. And uh, I think he's got a bit of room to, to step up. And, and so I'm really looking for him to step it up against the Bulldogs this week. Well, look, my stand up player, and before I say it, I've got to say, I feel like I've been stitched a little bit here this week because. Uh, this particular player, I think, has been playing pretty well over the last little period. And, and uh, we've spoken about him numerous times before on this podcast. And he probably had his worst game in a long while on the weekend. And so Jasper Pittard, who I know is a favourite of yours, Macca, and, yep. uh, and I thought he was pretty ordinary on the weekend. Like, I'm a pretty big defender of his, and I love the way he goes about it. But he did have a, definitely had a bit of a down game against Sydney. And, and I think he is a really crucial player for us going through the rest of the year and I think he adds a really crucial element to our team with his run and with his carry and breaking the lines and and I guess adding another dimension along with the likes of Polek and Hartlett and you know these guys who can run and carry and break the lines and I think Jasper just gives us another dimension to that run and carry particularly coming out the back half so I think he's someone we I think he's someone we absolutely need in our team if we're going to go the whole way this year but we need him to be playing really really good football so He's someone I'd like to see bounce back from the game he had against Sydney and have a really good game this week. That was my head slamming against the wall, that noise. <laughs> if you didn't hear it. I'm sick of bloody talking about it. Bloody AJJ, he's on the forum. He won't let it go. He's like a dog with a bloody bone. And everyone's talking about it, and we just need to move on. And I actually, and I'm not going to talk at length about it, but I thought his game wasn't that bad. On Saturday, I mean, it could have been better, but it wasn't nowhere near as bad. And I was the same with Kane Mitchell. I thought Kane Mitchell was pretty bad last week, but then when I took the emotion out of it and rewatched the game, um, actually his first half was pretty good. Don't mind my daughter just walking back and forward through the room. So uh, I think sometimes we just need to uh, maybe go back and reassess it. And I think a few posters have gone back and looked through the game and. I've actually pointed out some of it, there wasn't as many mistakes as what they were. For some reason, his mistakes just seemed to stand out like the two little balls in the bag at the back of the dog. You know, well, I agree he, with you. He tends to make those, he tends to bring on those mistakes himself. It's not a matter of, God, he's under a lot of pressure, he's going to make a mistake. It's more, well, shit, how far has he run now? He's going to have to have a bounce, or what's he <laughs> going to do? He's going to handball it over his head to an opponent, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm with you, Rick. Like, I think most other weeks I look at him and I just think, well, what are they going on about? Like, I think it's so important to have someone like that, particularly playing the game style we're trying to play. And, and with the modern game, that breaking of the lines and breaking through the zones is just so important that, that I, I tend to look at Jasper and say, well, you know, yeah, he's made a couple of mistakes, but he's taken the game on. And the, the positives of that, I think, most of the time are far outweighing the negatives. But, yeah, I did think his game against Sydney, I, I thought it was below par. 
And uh, and like I said, I, that's probably the first game really I've thought that this year. I've, I've I've been willing to back him in pretty much every other game, and and I think he's had that one down game, and I, I am expecting him to bounce back this week. So I'll be looking forward to it. That's it. My time to stand up. It's it's the bottom five. I'm going to call out uh, Kane Mitchell, Sammy Gray, Aaron Young, Tom Logan, and Jasper Pittard. Um, I really want to see these fringe guys have big games this week and, and really deliver. Um, we've got Hartlett and Impey back next week. Moore's going to be back soon. There's guys like Newton and Jakey Need and O'Shea and Butcher breathing down their necks. You know, spots in this side are pretty hot at the moment. Um, I was really disappointed with Mitchell and Pittard last week. I think Youngie can't rest on his laurels. Uh, Sammy Gray needs a big one, as does Logan. You know, I really want to see Mitchell make amends from last week and someone like Sammy Gray kick some goals this week as well. You think Mitchell might play sub? You can't put Aaron Young as a sub again, surely. No, I would think Kay Mitchell would be the correct sub this week. Either him I mean, or Gray, I would think. He was he was such a great sub last season. You know, it seem, we seem to be in a bizarro world here. Um, you know, I'd love to see Aaron Young string a couple of games together, together to really show us over four quarters what he can do. And, you know, Kane was magnificent last year as a substitute, you know, and it would, for some reason they're not doing it now. Um, I don't know if it's stubbornness or they're trying to prove something or whatever. Or obviously, they're really pushing for run. They want run and carry in that side. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's the key. I think it's his tank that gets in the whole game. I think they just he's sort almost of, like a second sub anyway because his that, last right. this year have been huge. He, he's so yeah. he's so good at running out the game that it's almost a waste to just bring him on as the sub. If you can get that run from him the whole game and and use someone perhaps like Young who may not have that sort of tank but can still have an impact in the last quarter, I think that's the way they're thinking. Mm. Yeah, I just I just really like to see Aaron see what he can show us what he can do for. a for four quarters, though. I mean, I mean, but he's probably happy just to be in the side. So, uh, and I mean, his influence as sub hasn't been uh, underwhelming. He's he's done his job when he's come on. So, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't mind just changing it up. Yep. All right, fellas, danger man. Who's going to be the danger man for the opposition? All right, I'm going to jump in. Well, as I said before, I, I guess my, I've sort of got two danger men. Uh, Minson and Liberatore, I think, are the two that I'd be most worried about. Like I said, I think that the, what they need to do is get first hands on the ball. If they have any chance in this game, they need to be winning the ball out the middle. Um, if they're not getting that, I just I think our class is going to overwhelm them. So, uh, you know, out of those two, I think probably Minson's the one I'd go for. I think he's a bit of a danger to, to get over the top of Lobby and, and win that first ball down. They have got good contested ball users, so... You know, if Minson can can convincingly win out against Lobby, then then they're really going to go a long way towards getting that ball out the middle and, and getting that ball headed their way, and I guess playing the game on their terms. So, um, you know, I'd I'd back Lobby in, but I'd say you know if anyone's going to sort of run the risk of us losing the game, I think it'd be Minson getting on top of Lobby that'd go a long way towards doing that. Yep. Rick. Yeah, I'd take Ryan Griffin. I mean, we spoke about it before. For me, he's going to be there their leader on the weekend, and I really want to shut his example down, try and cut him down to 20 or less possessions if we can, and if we can do that, we'll be going a long way to uh, to winning. And, I mean, obviously those other guys that you mentioned are, are pretty crucial as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pick Liber as well. Um, you know, I think he's not far behind Josh Kennedy as the best inside mid in the game. He absolutely tore us a new one last time we played last year uh, with 35 disposals, 24 contested possessions and 13 clearances. He had 10 tackles and 13 clearances, um, again, in the win against Collingwood last week. He's number one in the AFL in tackles, number three in the AFL in clearances, 
number five in the AFL in contested possessions. He's hard as nails. He's a very good user of the ball, and he can choke his opponents. Um, you know, we've just got to stop him getting the ball first. You know, he's been best on ground in three of their four wins this year. Um, I think he's their key player. Fair call. And the key to winning, Rick. Uh, the key to winning is we need to keep our intensity at 100%. Uh, we need to back up and not have a letdown after the Sydney game. Um, we can't be complacent against uh, the Bulldogs. And if we play with the way that we've been playing against the top teams and we bring that A game, we should have a quite comfortable win. Drop off a little bit and they might do what they did to Collingwood last week. Yeah, well, I guess it's probably no secret that I think the key to winning is the contested ball. I sound like a bit of a broken record on the podcast tonight, <laughs> but but I, I do think it is, you know, if we can, uh, you know, if our youngsters and Ollie and, you know, all those guys through the middle can win their fair share of the contested ball, um, then I just think our class on the outside, our attacking prowess is going to be far too great for them. So, you know, I don't think we need to thrash them by any stretch of the contested ball. We just need to win our fair share. And, uh, and I think we'll be well and truly good enough to win this game. Absolutely. For me, the key to winning, as I spoke about a little bit earlier, um, shutting down their goal-scoring flankers and mids. Um, it's guys like Kobe Stevens, Jason Tutt, Luke Dalhouse, um, Sean Higgins. You know, they can all kick multiple goals. Um, so for me, it's going to be our midfielders' ability to keep them away from genuine goal-scoring range. Yeah. And our back flankers' ability to keep these guys um, intact that will win us the game. Yeah, and I think that's why I sort of mentioned the, their forward line earlier, Maka, is that, you know, it's one of the, they, they sort of, they, they've got a team, really, a forward line chock full of those sort of players that in previous years we just seem to have always struggled with. You know, the kind of guys yeah. who are yeah. not that tall, not that small, not that fast, not that skillful, but they just seem to pop up just and, kick goals. <laughs> and kick goals against Port for whatever reason. And, and they seem to have multiples of those sort of players that you sort of think, well, they shouldn't be kicking goals against us, but they just keep doing it. And so... I think you're so that right. old thread on the board, the uh, spuds that tear us yeah. apart. Yeah, yeah they, I think they've got about six or seven of them in their forward line. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, who's going to win? Oh, Port and a canter, I'm going to say. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the Bulldogs, you know, had a good win last week, but I think they're going to come crashing back down to earth this week, and I'm going to pick Port by 75 points. Wow. Jesus. Massive. I like it. Speechless. How's that? How's that? We can't come. It's been, a while. it's been a while since I've been in. I've got to come straight back in and you know, make a bit of a statement, be a bit bold. Go with I'm frantically bonus. stalling trying to find the um, weather forecast before I make my tip and <laughs> say something I thought you, I thought you were checking like the line-ons for me. And so what have we got showers, Saturday? Cloudy. Clearing showers. Isolated showers until the evening. Westerly winds, 15 to 20 Ks. Light in the morning, I'm going to go poor by 65 points. Sure, I wasn't that far out. Rick's, Rick's backing me in. <laughs> wow, I don't, I don't know what to say here. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit tighter than uh, than you guys expect, and I think we'll kick away in the last and win by 22 points. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Tango? Let me get Tango out. Let's get on to the SANFL game. Um, it's Port versus West Adelaide this Sunday at Richmond Oval. We've got a 160-98 to 98, uh, win-loss record. The last time we met was in round four, where we are, we won by 58 points. Um, Flinney is suspended for a couple of weeks this week. Uh, we've got Sammy Gray and Logan in the AFL side. Um, what are we expecting against Westies? Well, they put up a good showing against North the other week, didn't they? Yes. 
So um, I'm expecting a, a hard game and uh, we've still got a fair few injuries. So it's going to be a bit of a test to our depth this week, surely. Well, I think, you know, you look at the power side that's getting on the park at the moment and you look at the forward line with the likes of Butcher, with Mason Shaw, with Harvey there. You know, SNFL sides over the last, you know, probably decade really, you know, there haven't been a lot of sides with multiple quality key forwards and, and there haven't been a lot of sides with the, the sort of, I guess, multiple quality key defenders to be able to match up on that sort of team. And it, it's hard to see that sort of a forward line not kicking a significant score. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Port will be too strong and, and we'll put too many goals on the board for Westers to be able to keep up. Yep. We're, start, we're starting to lose a bit of our midfield drive, though. I mean, last week we had Summerton, um, Gray, Newton probably in that order in relation to output. Now, um, Gray's obviously out to the seniors. Uh, the players coming back down are being rested or injured, so they're not going to be playing. So uh, it's really going to take... We need Newton to step up again to another level to, to get in there, and we're probably going to be looking at players like Archie, who are now a bit more experienced, to probably step it up and take a bit more of a midf- midfield role for this game as well, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's 10 guys named in that side that aren't AFL listed, so it's probably our most inexperienced side we've named this year to date. And Flynn will be a big loss too. I think he will be, yeah. It would have been a great game to chuck him in the guts a bit and just see what he can use do with his physicality. Yep. Can we see Mason Shaw backing up his uh, six-goal effort from last week? I reckon what we might find is Butcher kicking a bag this week. I reckon with uh, with Mason Shaw coming in looking dangerous, with Harvey looking a bit more dangerous, then I think all of a sudden the, the other teams will have to start thinking about more than just Butcher in terms of defending. And I think, you know, as much as Butcher hasn't been necessarily setting the world on fire and kicking huge bags of goals, I think he's been the one that's drawn the most attention from defensive sides from the games I've seen. So I think having that spread of people in attack, I reckon, you know, Mason Shaw might get a little bit more attention and, and Butcher might be able to pop up and kick a bag, I reckon. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he's been a, he's been actually a pretty good, consistent forward for us this year in the SAFL, and he's been averaging what three goals a game. So, uh, you and he's due for probably another bag soon, and uh, he needs to, you know, keep stringing those and and get that accuracy going. And you never he know. To, I still he needs think... to kick a ten, doesn't he? I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. that's really what he needs. Come out and Love kick a ten, and just make a statement. Yeah. Mitch Harvey's probably another. He's had a, a few quiet weeks. He hasn't, um, you know, he's not performing as he was at the start of the year. Do we see that he's maybe tired a little bit as the season's gone on? I'd assume so. I mean, um, Mish was talking when we drafted him or before draft about his lack of engine. So you'd imagine that, you know, it would be a massive step up for for Mitch, uh, you know, doing the full preseason, yeah. then the ongoing season, you, he'd, he'd really be feeling it, I'd imagine. I feel sorry for the poor fellow. You know, next year, he's going to reap the benefits of all of this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think he strikes me as that sort of player, just being so young and, you know, I guess still having a bit of that puppy fat around there, not necessarily being the elite runner that, that most of our side are now. You know, I think he was always going to struggle to, to to get a full season. I think it's been remarkable actually that he's done so well for so long in the season. I mean, really, he's uh, he's been a very solid contributor for a first year player as a key forward. It's uh, it's amazing that he's that he's hung in there so long and done so well and provided such an option. So, yeah. um, you know, I think you know every game they get into him from here on in is just going to be a plus. And um, yeah, like you said, he'll come back uh, bigger and better next year, or maybe smaller and better. 
Is it a concern for us that our our pick eight and pick nine from the draft now four years ago are still languishing in the reserve uh, structure and not pushing pushing harder into senior selection? Or is it just more random chance more than anything? Oh, absolutely. I think we all had uh, high hopes for Butcher and I think there's no doubt that he's disappointed on uh, on his potential and what we were hoping to, to get when we picked him. Um, and Andrew Moore as well. I mean, he's... You know, I do rate Andrew Moore. I, th- I love what he, he brings to the table. And yes, he's injured at the moment, but, you know, he's he's had a pretty poor year um, in terms of what his expectations would have been as well. well. Look, I think for both of them, really, they they have had a few injuries. I think Andrew Moore's year this year, I think he's been quite interrupted. Um, I think he's definitely a good enough player to be first 22. You know, is he the player you would hope to have gotten at pick nine? Well, you know... Maybe maybe we would have liked to have seen more, but I tell you what, there's been a lot worse players picked in the top ten as well. So I think he's by no stretch of the imagination, you know, a disappointment for a pick at that level. I think he's going to be a very good, solid contributor for us once he gets his body right, gets a full preseason coming into next year, perhaps with a couple of the senior guys, perhaps Cassisi, you know, maybe Logan stepping up and retiring, not wanting to jinx either of them, but um, you know, you're going to see that big body of more, I think, come through. So. Look, I reckon more, you know, looking at some of the games he played later last year, I think he's tracking pretty well. And I think he is going to come through and end up being a pretty good player for a reasonable amount of time. And I think similarly with Butcher, I think he's still very young. He's had so many injuries. He's had so many setbacks. He does seem to have gotten his body right now. But, you know, you, you need to give him a year or two with his body right to see what he's actually going to be able to perform. Let him have a full preseason. Let him really hit a season running with a bit of form and a bit of confidence before we start talking about what he is or isn't going to be able to produce. I think it's really exciting to see Butcher's consistency so far this year. We're starting to talk about him you know, kicking, like you said, three goals a game. I mean, that's nothing to be sneezed at. It's, it's a really good sign for a young player. You know, he's really starting to... You know, I noticed people talking about his leadership on the weekend, talking about the defensive work that he does, the running, the chasing, the tackling. I think there's a lot to like about Butcher and the way he's developing. And, and I think, you know, just... Just keep your powder a bit dry for a little bit longer on him because I reckon in the next year or two um, is when you're going to find out whether he's going to make it or not. He's, he's still a very young player who's had very limited opportunities to develop. Would you argue then that the, the calls this week about Mason Shaw and Ben Newton probably wanting to leave for greener pastures at the end of the year a bit early as well? Because, I mean, Mason Shaw, what, he's had an injury, second year in the system. It's probably a bit early for him to be going citing more opportunities when he's so young and just started and and I thought the I thought the calls that Benny Newton will want to leave for more opportunities at the end of the year would be interesting as well considering the guy's been on our list for what two or three years and been injured the whole bloody time and he's only really done his first pre-season now mm. and uh, so he's really backing it up now for the first year with a well, full you'd, fitness so you'd like to think early. that the sort of players that are going to stay around but you'd also tend to think that they are the sort of players other teams are going to target you know it, other teams do look at the top teams and see who's not quite squeezing in there and do try and target those players who you know like a Polek I guess who haven't had a huge amount of opportunity who have been a little bit hindered by it, uh, you know injury because uh, they're the sort of players that can do exactly as Pollock has done come straight into your team slot straight in for a relatively cheap price and and give you amazing bang for your buck. So I think they'll be the sort of players that other teams will be looking at without a doubt, and, and they may get the sort of offers that are pretty hard to refuse. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. As much as you know, Mason Shaw particularly, I'd really like to see stay because we obviously do need some of that depth in the key position 
target. And, and I think he is looking like developing into a very good player. But when you look at the sides like Geelong and how they've been able to maintain themselves at the top and constantly regenerate, it is by trading out some of these sort of fringe players who often aren't all they're cracked up to be. You know, there's so often players on the fringe, you know, I mean, there's the classic sort of Brad Symes, I guess, that everyone was raving about how good he was going to be and how unfortunate he was for missing out on getting a game for Port. And, you know, when they're performing like that at the lower level, they do get talked up to a large degree. But sometimes what you can get for them in the trade ends up being more valuable than, than what they actually were able to perform once they stepped up to the next level. Yeah, that's right. I can't see Shaw leaving, to be honest. Um Especially, it would only be sort of homesickness. It wouldn't be a lack of opportunity. I mean, he was on the long-term injury list for 10 weeks yeah. so far this year. I mean, he's only played about three games for the whole year. Um, you know, I think we'll see him start pushing for selection later on this year, to be honest. Certainly a good start, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, by all accounts, he's... Uh, I mean, Kenny said on the radio in the preseason that he's the he's probably the number one player that he's looking forward to working with um, just because he's so excited about... Um, the talent that he's got, um, you know, I really can't see him leaving. Um, Benny Newton, yeah, maybe he he might leave. I mean, certainly he's probably warranted to to be requesting more game time than he's got so far this year. Uh, look, I still think 2015's Benny Newton's year, and so this is where I'm hoping he comes in this week. And you know, it's really up to him and Summit and the lead this team on the weekend. You know, so I'm hoping he posts massive numbers and, and he's just got to keep racking it up so he just gives the uh, the coach no choice but to go, we've got to give you another opportunity. And I think what we saw with the last game he played, he he seemed to still be lacking that gut-busting running. So maybe he needs another pre-season under his belt, um, injury-free, uh, to actually just sort of help him get that fitness level, what he needs to carry out a full AFL game. E.T., thanks for, for coming back on, mate. It's great to have you back on, buddy. Oh, Hello. No, I'm still here. Oh, boys, sorry. I've, 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 hit, the, I've hit the mute button, boys. I'm a couple of, a couple of months <laughs> off and I've forgotten how to do everything. Oh, good <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on, boys. Absolute pleasure to be back on. It has been too long, so good to uh, have a chat about all things Port Adelaide. And I've certainly missed uh, having these little catch-ups, so thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. We'll get you back on again soon, buddy. Excellent. And, and maybe a week when Pittard has played a little bit better, Maka, so I can review a bit more. It'd be nice. That's it. We'll do a review one next time. Nice. <laughs> That's it. Rick, buddy, as always. Pleasure. As always. Oh, we got here. It was a bit late, but got here eventually. That's it. All right, boys. Go Port Adelaide. See ya. Bye-bye. Beautiful. See you, boys. Well, they've got three in about five minutes here. Well done. Could you do it again? It's going and going and going home. He's kicked three. Unbelievable. 